Welcome to the Loss and Lifting Talk podcast. The show is created to help you find your confidence by breaking down the complicated science of training and nutrition and turning it into simple, but more importantly, practical solutions that you can implement right away to start creating real results inside your body composition. We don't stop there either. We dive into the mental aspect of fitness to not only build a better body, but a better life all around. Podcasts were the medium where I learned and grew as an individual more than any other place in my life. The goal of this podcast is to give that back to you to start building the exact body and life that you know you're capable of. So without further ado, let's jump into the episode. Alex, what's going on, man? Not a whole lot. Um, we're going to be doing a little bit of a different episode today for those of you tuning in. Um, typically, we, we spend the first kind of half of the episode just kind of wherever the conversation takes us. Um, today, we're going to be doing a little bit more rapid fire Q&A. So Chaz, how many questions we got lined up for now? Well, I had four, but as you're sitting here chatting, I'm, uh-oh. My phone is on voice, so as I talk, it's it's typing for me because I have these questions in my in. Oh shit! How do I turn this thing off? I have a client named Uh-oh. Sherry. Every time I say Sherry, my MacBook thinks I'm saying Siri, and so like I'm doing the Loom videos, and it's always like, "Hey, like, what do you want?" And I'm like, "Nothing. Please, please turn off." So I had to turn off this Siri feature on my phone, my computer, just everything. I I couldn't stand it. Yeah, I I just messed everything up because as I sat here and started talking, I had my notes open, that voice thing was on. And so everything I just said went into a couple of the questions. So all four questions are still here. I thought one of them deleted, but it didn't. One of the questions, I'm going to read it to you guys, and it's going to have some random wording. I'm going to have to figure it out because it's got my own talking in there too. But but yeah, we're going to hop into probably four questions here as long as we have enough time. A little bit on nutrition, a little, well, mostly on nutrition. We got one that's on training, but kind of based on nutrition as well. Um, So that's basically it. We're not going to sit here and chit chat. We're going to get right into some nitty gritty details in regards to tactics and strategies and knowledge in regards to your guys' fitness that'll hopefully help, help you. So let's hop into the first question just right out of the bat. It is, how important is it to track calories if I want to see results with fat loss? I hate the idea of always having to track everything and the annoyance that comes with it. So basically, do you have to track calories if you want to lose body fat? Alex, what do you think? I don't think you have to track calories to lose body fat or for really any body composition goal that you may have. But with that being said, you also have to then accept that variability in your intake will be a bit higher And so the rate of results that you're seeing is probably and most likely going to be a bit slower. And if you can accept that and know that there's probably going to be a bit more just variation kind of day to day, um, things that you aren't, you know, maybe eyeing out so well, like it's doable. But I would also argue that the way our population is today just the way our food is just pumped with so many calories and just the way we live and we have everything at the snap of our fingers, I feel like our natural like instinct of intuitive eating has kind of it's harder gone away. It's, yeah, it's, hard. it's really, really hard for someone who grows up and is just, you know, raised in the world today 
to like be raised and like have a healthy relationship with food, like grow up, like eating fruits and veggies. And I mean, like, look at the typical American school lunch, like not that great. So I will doable, but probably not the smartest or most efficient use of your time. And I'd also argue that anyone who thinks that like tracking is like, oh, well, like this made me have like eating disorders or like, oh, well, I associated like, you know, this with this. Once you kind of understand the reason that we do it for and why we utilize it, like it takes all the pressure off of you and you just kind of look at it more so as a reason of like, hey, if I'm in debt, I'm going to manage my finances. Same thing with like weight. Like if you have a goal to lose body fat, if you're overweight, it's just kind of like getting yourself out of debt. Manage the food you're putting in and you're going to get to where you want. And I think that's kind of my like rapid fire answer without getting too nuanced. Yeah, I think that, again, that I talk about this a lot on these episodes, but like the fitness culture on social media sways back and forth from kind of extreme to extreme. A few years back, five, six, seven years ago, when I first started posting on online, like it was all about tracking. IIFYM, right? If it fits your macros, like eat kind of whatever you want, but ensure that it fits within your caloric intake. Right. And, and that was kind of like the scene for a really long time, like the popular thing to talk about. And now today, what like we've gone and that's based in science. Like if you want to see body composition changes, IIFYM works really good. I'm not saying that tracking calories doesn't lead to for of small minority of people that it can't lead to like mental distress and mental eating disorders and, and things like that. that. That absolutely can't happen. It's not the majority by any means. It's a very small percentage that, that actually can happen with, but that with like tracking that can happen, I could argue that could happen them for them. Like if they went keto or if they went to paleo or whatever it may be, that subsect of people is probably going to have issues either whatever diet they try to follow, they probably need some professional help in regards to counseling or therapy or something to, to build a better relationship with food in the first place. But now we're in this place to where like, there's a lot of people, like I kind of call it like the woke side of the fitness industry to where like, you can't say cheat day anymore. Or like, if you track calories, like you're going to have a, an eating disorder, right? Like it's like, it's too much. Like, but like, Let's let's think about this in more of a logical perspective. Like to say tracking calories is going to lead to an eating disorder. Well, like if somebody is in a, a financial situation that's not very good, right? Like let's say they're in a lot of debt, they're spending more than they're earning um, on a month to month basis. If you were to go to a like a professional financial advisor in that situation, I almost guarantee you the first thing that they're going to have you do is start tracking your finances, start tracking your spending, start tracking your income to align those numbers up in a way that's more sustainable for you long-term to start getting out of that situation that you're in. You would never call, tell that person that they have a financial disorder if they start tracking their finances, right? You'd be like, oh, like that's, that's the sound thing to do. That's the logical thing to do. Like that's the best way to use your time efficiently and your efforts to like make sure you're, you're using your efforts efficiently is what I should say. And so when it comes to nutrition, it's that same thought process, right? Like we track to control the variables um, in regards to your situation to know that the effort that you're giving is efficient as possible. And we have the data needed in order to make adjustments as often as needed to ensure that all that effort that you're giving 
is pushing you towards where you actually want to be and you're not running into any plateaus and you're actually seeing that progress because you're controlling the data needed in order to control the outcome at the end of the day, just like you would do with your finances. So calories and tracking calories is a very similar thing to that. But what I will say is that just like with finances, like if you start tracking your finances, I don't think that you need to track your finances for the rest of your life, right down to the T with every little thing. Like at some point, hopefully you get into a position to where your habits have built up and you have a good intuition with your finances in regards to like, you know, how much you make, um, you know, roughly like kind of like inside of your habits, how much you can spend and how much you need to save and whatnot. And you can kind of get to an intuitive place to that, where it's not always needed to be laid out on a spreadsheet and like have it all right down to the, to the last decimal or the last cent for a while. It probably makes a lot of sense to do that, to build up that intuition and those new habits to be able to not do that exact same thing when it comes to your nutrition, right? Like if you spend a good amount of time tracking, if you committed three to six months of tracking your food intake, like you're going to build skills and habits and a better intuition to not have to track your calories in the future and hang on to that result or potentially even be able to create a result. Um, and so that's kind of my thought process when it comes to tracking calories. Again, I don't think that it works necessarily for everyone. I've worked with hundreds and hundreds of clients on a one-to-one -one basis over the last um, five, six, seven, eight years, um, online. And through that process, I have had particular clients come in to where tracking calories doesn't necessarily always make sense. And we need to come up with different strategies because for whatever reason, it's just mentally, it doesn't click for them. It sends them the other way. I have a, a client that I'm working with currently who this happened with, like we, we tried to get her tracking just to get an understanding of what she was eating. And it just like completely overwhelmed her. And so like I, on my end, I'm still trying to pay attention to where those caloric intakes are coming in and whatnot, but we're coming up with different strategies in regards to how to keep her on point with her nutrition that works better for her from a mental standpoint. And so Everybody's going to be a little bit different, but the vast majority, in my opinion, would vastly benefit from spending some time actually tracking to know how much you're consuming um, on a day-to-day -day basis to gain that understanding of serving sizes and what that actually means and how that's going to affect your body composition and to be able to create better flexibility to understand like, okay, I can fit like some more fun, quote unquote, foods into my diet, some processed foods, um, some unhealthy stuff, whatever that may be into my diet on a day to day or week to week basis and still create progress. As long as I'm counting for the calories that, that I'm consuming through those foods, as well as the calories I'm consuming through the rest of my diet as well. And so it is a complicated topic in a sense, but I think that like, we're taking like the, the culture of nutrition online is now swaying to kind of that woke side of things to where it's like, no, like you can't like do not track calories. Like it's a terrible way to go about it. And there are people that have struggled with it, but I would argue that they would struggle with most things when it comes to nutrition, because their actual relationship with nutrition in the first place needs working on mentally to put them in a, in more of a logical mindset to be able to track and learn the things they need to learn. So that eventually they don't need to track anymore and they can still sustain the results that they created throughout that process. And again, like you could not track anything and lose weight, but what you're going to have to do is follow a meal plan, right? Like this is what I've done for some clients and it can be successful in the short term, but it shouldn't be like the overall solution. Right. So like if I have somebody that's really struggling with tracking calories, like can't get their head around it, stresses them out. It causes them to say, just F it and kind of eat whatever they want and kind of go off the rails. What I'll do for them is set up more of a, a flexible meal plan.
And what I mean by that is like, okay, we're going to eat like at these three times of the day, like these are your big meals and these are your snacks. And like, I know where I want their calories at. And then I'll set up for them, let's say like five to six different options at each of those meals that they can choose from that kind of the calories will be equated regardless of whatever of those meals that they choose that if they just follow each of those meals, select one of those five to six different options at breakfast, one of those options at lunch, one of those options at dinner. And then same thing goes for the snacks. If they just follow that, it's going to have them hitting the calories, but they're not having to track them. It's already kind of set up for them with um, serving sizes and whatnot that will have them hitting that with the foods that we've selected for them. You can do it that way, but that also comes with the restriction of like, okay, well, what do I do when I need to eat out? What do I do? Like if I'm at, at my family's house or like at my grandma's house or at my, my parents' house, or what do I do if I'm on vacation? Like it, it, that's when that becomes extremely difficult because you have nothing to go off of at that point. You haven't really learned anything. You just learned that, oh, I need to eat these specific foods it can work in the short term and you can start there if you absolutely have to. But at some point, if you want to create flexibility, which is the key to creating sustainability for yourself in the long run, you do need to get to a point to where you learn how to track and learn how many calories are in different foods and how that affects you so that at some point you can gain an intuition to where you don't have to track anymore and you still have that understanding to be able to maintain your body composition. For those of you who are listening, and I mean, I'll be honest, I I do tend to kind of push towards tracking just kind of for the reasons like list or reasons listed, for example, like going out, you know, on a date night or going out to a party or traveling, whatever, it's like, you can still kind of learn to make smart decisions, put in a pizza in your tracker. And it's like, Oh, pizza's 800 calories. Let me kind of fit in everything else around it. Um, but if you do like more of like maybe hand portions, for example, like precision nutrition teaches, mm -hmm. um, I do want to leave you guys with something and maybe Chaz, you can put this in the um, Spotify like link or the podcast description. Um, but on Precision Nutrition, they have something called Calorie Control Guide Infographic. And they have different sections that's like um, low activity, um, moderate activity, um, high activity. You know, do you want like moderate carb? Do you want like lower carb? And they do a great job of kind of showing you like based off hand portions. And you can do this wherever you go. As long as you know your proteins, your fats, and your carbs, and it'll tell you like, okay, you're going to want two palms of protein, one palm of carb, and, you know, a thumb full of fat for this meal. And that can be another great way. But again, there's just pros and cons. And you need to understand just kind of how directly, I guess, each one is going to get you to your goal. And tracking, I think, is going to be the most direct. But again, it has some cons. And those cons may not fit everybody's lifestyle, you know, well at that moment. And that for some people just kind of makes the most sense. So I think that's kind of where I leave Boom, things with that question. I think so too. I think we covered it pretty well. All right. Question number two, this comes from Susan. She actually went um, into the, the podcast link and asked this question via email. And that goes for any of you. If you'd like to do that as well for future episodes, you're more than welcome to. You can go down below of the show notes. There's a link that says lostandlifting.com backslash podcast. Click on that, scroll to the bottom, and there's a question box to where you'll leave your email, leave your question, and I'll bring those questions onto the episodes as well as get back to you personally answering them for you um, for your personal situation, then bring them onto the, to the podcast if I feel like they'll be able to help a, 
a good amount of the listeners as well, if it's a pretty common situation. So Susan says, I'm an avid listener and have implemented so many of your suggestions into my routine and they work. For the longest time, I had been yo-yo dieting with long-term deficits and not seeing changes. So I did a reverse diet to find my maintenance and have seen amazing body composition changes. I've been at maintenance since September and plan to continue till January, which I plan to do a cut. So yeah, she's just about to start a cut. I want to lean out further, but my question is, should I keep lifting heavy weights at a moderate rep range or should I go down in weight? at a higher rep range while in a calorie deficit. For background, I'm five foot four, 25 year old female. So as she goes into a deficit, should she change her training from lifting heavy at a moderate rep range to light with a higher rep range? First off, Susan, I just want to congratulate you because I know it's really common for people to kind of go online, scroll social media, kind of take one thing from this person, take one thing from this person, or just kind of feel flooded with information as a whole. And the fact that you've stuck with the whole reverse dieting process, seen the body come changes, you're now kind of looking ahead into the new year, kind of saying, this is when I'm going to start my cut. Like, here's my end period. Kind of, I just want to make sure that these are all, you know, things that are, you know, set up correctly. It's not easy to do. And so the fact that you just took action on it, well done. Second thing to answer your actual question here, uh, put simply, what builds muscle, it's going to maintain the muscle in a cut. So like whatever you did to build that muscle to get to where you're at today, you're going to keep doing that same thing as the calories get lower. It's going to be a little tougher because you obviously have less calories coming in. But assuming that you're eating a high protein diet and you're still managing things like sleep, um, kind of stress management, things like that well, you should really be able to maintain most of, if not all, your strength through a deficit, assuming that you keep lifting close to that failure mark. And since you're an avid listener, I'm sure you're familiar with kind of like the um, training intensity, like... um. RPE rating of perceived exertion, like you do still want to keep that up close to like the seven, eight, nine, ten, you know, range. And so the weights don't got to change, the workouts don't got to change, nothing has to change besides your food intake. And if you find that recovery, like you're finding yourself getting sore more often and it's kind of like not going away, maybe take away some slight volume but intensity is still going to stay high. You just kind of want to find that sweet spot and that's it. Most people just kind of overcomplicate it, but yeah, just, I train the exact same way. My calories change and I regulate based off my recovery and that's you know really it. Yeah, I think that's a spot on answer. People get so confused when it comes to weightlifting for <clears throat> whether you're focused on like building muscle or losing body fat or whatever that may be. And they think that your training should change dependent upon what your goal is with building muscle or losing body fat, right? They think that like, oh, if I'm trying to lose body fat, well, I should use lighter weight and I should do higher reps because that's going to help me <clears throat> create that like more definition and toned look. And then if I'm trying to build muscle, I need to be with heavier weight and um, a little bit lower rep range and trying to get stronger. When in reality, when the goal is fat loss, the an equal goal when you're losing body fat is sustaining lean muscle tissue that you built when you're in a higher calorie phase. 
right? And so just as Alex said, the, the way that you build muscle, you want to do the same things to give yourself the best chance to sustain that muscle that you built when in a deficit. So you don't go changing up your, your training. Like I see a lot of people even like try to go even higher in volumes. Like they think they need to be doing more sets. They think they need to use lighter weight. They think they need, um, higher or lower weight with higher reps and they switch what they did to change their body composition to where it's at now. But in reality, like when it comes to fat loss, we're not lifting weights to lose body fat when we're aiming for fat loss, we're lifting weights to sustain lean, to sustain lean muscle tissue and strength. Just as Alex said, and the way that you do that is to do the same things that you're doing when you're focused on building muscle, right? And so your training stays the same. Um, and the only thing that would maybe alter is maybe you maybe try to slightly increase your um, step goal per day, like to be able to burn a little bit more calories to create a, a deeper deficit. Maybe you add in one to two days of cardio if you want, if you don't want to focus on steps, or maybe you do both to create a little bit of a higher expenditure in regards to your activity, but your training stays the same. You're not trying to burn more calories in your lifting sessions when in, in a fat loss phase, it stays consistent. And just as Alex said, the one thing that might change over the long term, which is kind of the opposite of what people think is that when you're in a deficit, you have to understand is that your body is now starting to use its actual tissue, its body fat tissue as energy. Over time, that's a stress on the body that has some detrimental effects in regards to metabolic rate can start to slow a little bit. Your hormonal profile can, can vary a little bit. Like recovery varies a little bit. Your energy might not be quite as high. Like sleep can kind of sometimes start to get a little bit poor, the deeper that you get into a deficit. And at these points, it makes it look like your body's not recovering as well. So your body probably can't handle as much stress in your training. And the smart thing to actually do is to decrease your volume a little bit. Maybe you're doing three sets for five or six different exercises in a session. Well, maybe that means you're doing three sets for four exercises per session, or you're, you're cutting down to two sets for each exercise um, with and still doing the five to six exercises, or maybe your first two exercises of the day, you still do three sets, but everything else you drop down to two sets. I know for me at this point, I've been in a midi cut for the last almost four weeks at this point. And it's been actually, I've done a really, really aggressive mini cut. It's the first time like I've ever tried to go at a really fast rate where I've only staying in a deficit for around four to five weeks. And so like my typical deficit when I would start one would be somewhere around like 23 ish hundred calories, 23 to 2,400 calories is where I would start. Well, I'm only going for around a month or maybe just over a month. And so I got super aggressive and I dropped my calories down to around 1900 to 2000 calories per month, which is very low for my situation. And like I said, I'm only like four weeks into it at this point, but I'm already fine. And, and through that four weeks, like I'm already down roughly 10 pounds, obviously probably almost half of that is water um, glycogen depletion, all that kind of stuff. So it's not all body fat, but half of that is because I feel myself noticeably leaner, like in my, uh, midsection and in my arms, like veins are starting to show through and whatnot that weren't before, but I've done this relatively quickly. And so like at this point I'm feeling how I would probably feel like eight to 10 weeks into a deficit. If I had gone at a slower pace, I'm feeling that in only four weeks and I'm already having to decrease the amount of volume that I'm doing because I'm not recovering quite as well. And I just don't have the energy really to push through longer training sessions. So my training sessions right now are only 35 to 40 ish minutes long, um, with a little bit lesser volume, but I'm still pushing myself in those training sessions. 
right? Before I was doing maybe around like eight sets for most body parts in each, in each workout. Now it's down to like five or six sets for each body part, but I'm still trying to push myself in weight and my intensity is staying the same. Like I haven't changed the amount of weight that I'm using. I haven't changed the rep ranges that I'm training in. I'm still trying to get stronger at this point. I'm kind of maintaining my strength more than I'm actually like continuing to progress because my weight's coming down. And something else you have to understand is like, as your weight decreases, your leverages aren't as strong. So, so me doing, 205 pound, um, barbell incline press at 195 pounds for, let's say like eight reps, like me doing that at 185 pounds. Well, that's still kind of progress because my lead leverages aren't as strong. So I'm still in a way progressively overloading because I'm as strong at 185 pounds as I was at 195 pounds, which is still as big of a stimulus or greater on the muscle, arguably. So you have to take all of that kind of stuff into account. I know it's super long winded, but there's a lot that goes into it, but long story short, don't change your training in any sort of way, but as you get deeper and deeper into the deficit, you may potentially need to look at bringing, taking away a little bit of volume if you're not recovering as well and if your energy levels start to suffer. I'm just going to say congrats again on your success. I mean, it. it's really, really, I think, I don't know, it's just cool to like know that some people are out there like listening and like truly following the advice because- I mean, you see it over and over again. You just see the people jumping from one thing to the next. And Chad's like, I know you see it too. And so keep crushing it. Keep on doing it. And if you got any further questions, just shoot them in the same place you sent this one in. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. It's always super cool. I've gotten that a lot lately from people like via DM and people who have applied for coaching. A lot of them are listening to the show. And like I had a a call with somebody before we hopped on this podcast or started recording today. And like, she knew that I was going on vacation in a couple of weeks to Mexico. She knew that you had been on vacation um, to mm -hmm. Mexico a few weeks back. And um, yeah, it's super cool to, to get feedback from, from you guys on these podcasts and hear that you're getting benefit from it and actually implementing the stuff that we're talking about for longer uh, than two weeks. Yeah. Like yeah. this is like months we're talking about. And like that, I was like, she's been doing this for months. Yeah. Which like is that's, dope. Mm -hmm, that's yeah. cool. So it is congrats. Super cool. It is super cool. All right. Next question. Once I'm done with a calorie deficit, what do I do to start the maintenance process? So once you finish your fat loss phase, you've gotten to your goal. How, how do I go back to maintenance to be able to sustain it? I approach this in two different ways, just kind of depending on the client's current state of I guess we'd say mental health um, you can do it either way I'd say the longer you've been in a deficit probably the more important it is that you bring those calories up sooner but as a general like answer I'll look to increase anywhere from like 200 to 500 calories if it's 500 calories you're likely just right around like maintenance some clients I may choose to go closer to like 200 to 300. And I will preface this with regardless of like which one you choose, like you're going to end up in the same spot like eight, 10 weeks later, or probably even like six, eight weeks later. The main difference is if you do the lower increase, your chances of overshooting your maintenance intake just kind of slightly decrease. So like if you have this like just eternal fear of like 
if I increase calories, I'm going to just automatically put on five pounds. Sometimes you just kind of need to prove to your brain that that's not really how it works. And so you can kind of increase 200 and be like, oh, that wasn't all that bad. And then we kind of go another hundred calories the next week. And it's like, oh, huh. Like I'm still kind of maintaining that same, you know, one to three kind of pound range of kind of where I finished the deficit. And then two weeks later, you know, we've, we're at the same 400, 500 calorie mark. And so really like you can start a little bit lower and then kind of increase linearly from there. Um, or you can just go right for 500 and either way you're going to end up in the same spot. Yeah. For me, it's always when working with somebody and deciding how to get them back to maintenance, it always comes down to their mental frame of mind, right? Like if I have somebody that's been in a deficit for a good amount of time, they're starving, like they're, they're wanting more food. Um, they're at that point, like I'm going to get them back up to their maintenance level basically as quickly as I possibly can. Right. So like, I'll kind of estimate where I think their maintenance level to be that's 400 above where we're at now, 500, 600 above where we're currently at. Like I'll just make that bump right out of the gate. And what you have to understand is that when you go back to maintenance, um, like when you increase calories from a deficit, as long as you don't exceed maintenance, you're not going to gain body fat, right? It's physically impossible for your body to gain fat. If you are not in a surplus of calories, eating more calories than your body is burning on a day-to-day basis. And so that 400 to 600 calorie increase right out of the gate, what you have to understand will cause a little bit of weight gain. And I always have to be like very transparent with, with clients when I'm going to take them through the process, this process, especially if the, if it's their first time and they don't have an experience with it, cause they'll kind of freak out. But you have to understand as you increase your caloric intake, a couple of things are going to happen. One, you're going to just naturally eat more sodium than you normally would. Right. And with the more sodium that you eat and your body, if your body's not used to that amount of sodium, your body will store more water weight from your intake of sodium. A lot of people are scared of sodium. I have clients that will sometimes mention this, like, oh, they're trying to keep their sodium low. The body is adaptive to sodium, right? Like, so if you start eating more sodium than normal right out of the gate, well, then you're obviously your body's going to start holding more water. But if you kept that sodium intake high and consistent, the body's eventually going to adapt to that sodium intake. And it's just going to kind of become your new level. And you're not going to notice as much um, water retention as a result of that in the long term. But short-term spikes will lead to um, water retention. And so you're going to gain some water retention, which is going to reflect on the scale with that high influx of calories right out of the gate. Two, you're going to naturally eat more carbohydrates. Well, carbohydrates are converted into glycogen into the body and you store that it's a liquid essentially that's in your muscle cells, right? So when you're storing more liquid in your muscle cells, that's going to have you weighing a little bit more as well. So the way, so again, that's going to have the scale up a little bit between glycogen retention as well as water retention. And three, you're naturally going to have more food volume in your digestive system. When you have more food volume in your digestive system because you're eating more calories, you're naturally going to weigh a little bit more. So if you gain somewhere between two to three, four pounds right out of the gate, when you go from a deficit to maintenance, a lot of people will freak out. But as because of the reasons I mentioned to you before, that's why you gained weight. You didn't gain body fat or lose any progress. Actually, what I see happen more often than not when somebody's been in, and this happens with me, like I'm looking forward to it because like I mentioned, I'm in a deficit at the moment, like, and my body's like kind of, oh, I forgot what the word is for it. Or it's flat. 
Like I don't have a lot of glycogen in my system. I don't have a lot of, like my muscles aren't very full. They feel kind of weak because I don't have very many carbohydrates in my system. So I know that when I go back up to a maintenance level, I'm going to look better than I actually did when I was in that deficit because my glycogen is going to fill up and I'm actually going to feel a little bit fuller and have more definition on my frame than I do when I'm on these lower calories. And so keeping that in mind as well, and just understanding if you do that high increase right out of the gate, like you're going to have the scale go up a little bit, but if you give yourself a week or so, you're probably going to feel a hell of a lot better. And you're going to start to look even better as well, as long as you don't exceed that maintenance intake. So that go that approach goes for somebody like Alex said, that's been in a deficit for a good amount of time. They're struggling. Their hunger's high. Like they just need to get out of the deficit. Number two, as Alex mentioned before as well, like if I've had somebody that's in, been in a deficit for quite a while, like their hunger's kind of there, but mentally they're struggling with increasing calories because they're super nervous about it. And they're looking at it from more of an emotional state as opposed to a logical state. And I always try when working with people to get like, People's biggest struggle with nutrition and with fitness and training in general is they look at it from such an emotional, illogical um, frame of mind, right? And so the goal is always to lead with logic and force people to use the logical side of their brain. But sometimes people get wrapped up in it, right? They're just nervous to increase calories. I can tell them all the reasons why it's not a big deal and why they shouldn't stress about it but they're still just naturally stressed about it. So with that type of person, I'm not just going to force them to do something that they feel extremely uncomfortable to do. I'm going to slowly lead them in that direction and go at a, a much slower pace that works better for them mentally in regards to maybe increasing in their first week, um, hundred to 200 calories per day, get them comfortable with eating a little bit more, like get them just get their mind in a better place with it and accepting of it. Once they're accepting of that calorie increase, we have a conversation. You're still in a deficit. You're still dealing with these negative um, feedback loops, right? Like you're not quite as in, in big of a deficit as you were before, but you're still in a deficit. We need to increase one more time, get them to increase for another week by around hundred calories or so and continue on a week to week basis as long as they're still accepting of it until I get them back up to their full maintenance range of calories. And once I get them back to their full maintenance range of calories, Typically, they're still going to experience that sodium intake, um, that sodium increase, which is going to have them hold a little bit more water retention. They're going to, um, they're going to experience that glycogen increase, which is going to have them having or have more liquid in their muscle cells. They're going to have more food volume in their stomach, lead to more di digestion. So they're still going to end up with that little bit of weight gain over the long term. Again, it's not fat gain; it's weight gain. There's a massive difference between the two, and you have to learn to accept that. Um, they still end up at the same result. But the person who's a little bit more accepting of that happening, we can get them back up to maintenance faster to get them out of that negative feedback loop loop that will start to happen in the deficit with biofeedback. Um, and the other person, we just have to go at a little bit slower rate, but they're still getting to the, the same spot. And there was a huge thing on reverse dieting for a long time in regards to like, oh, you have to reverse diet to slowly build your metabolic rate back up, which through enough research now, I think we've kind of figured out that that's not necessarily the case. And you might as well just get back up to maintenance as quickly as possible. And it comes down to the person's mental state and willingness and acceptance of increasing calories without the fear behind it. If I got somebody that's like choosing to look at it logically, we do it as quick as possible. If I have somebody who's struggling emotionally with it, we go at a slower pace um, to build them up to it, just to keep them more comfortable throughout that process. I do also think this is a, um kind of fitting point to throw this in and it's just kind of discussing like where people tend to make the biggest mistake when it comes to like dieting and oftentimes when people like think i want to lose body fat i want to lose weight whatever the thought is 
They just think, how do I get immediately into a deficit? And most people, like if they really want to lose 5, 10, 15 pounds, they can do so. They can put themselves in a deficit. But then the question kind of becomes, well, like, how do I bring myself back to maintenance? And the way that you and I do this is we don't just like start the client in a deficit, like unless they're a very experienced tracker and like they've kind of shown us that, like maybe, but for 99% of people- Or they've been in maintenance. Yeah. If they're experienced, mm -hmm. they've been in maintenance for the last, who knows how many months and biofeedback's in a good spot. Mm -hmm. And so what we have basically 99% of clients do when they first come in is like we spend the first few weeks purposefully trying to be in maintenance. Their goal isn't to lose weight. The goal isn't to gain weight. The goal really isn't anything other than just, just to see like where's your current maintenance at? Where's your metabolic health at? Where's your hormonal health at? And then from there, then we know what an effective deficit would be for you. And the whole thing is like, yes, it does add a couple weeks of time. But the whole thing is we don't just do that just because we do it for a lot of reasons. But one of those reasons is as soon as you finish that deficit, you kind of know with like 90% accuracy where your maintenance is going to be. And so it's not a question of like, where do I need to raise to? It's like, hey, this is my previous maintenance. Maybe if you lost like 15, 20 pounds, like your kind of total daily energy expenditure, you know, decreases 100, 150, whatever, but like you're going to have that ballpark range. And like one of the best things that you can do is spend time finding maintenance, find where your deficit's at, find what I call your maximum maintenance. So like kind of what's the highest you can go before you go into a surplus. And then from there, it's really just a matter of like, adjusting between those three phases based on how you're feeling based on kind of what results you want to see. And I was, I've had a client kind of transition call and that's what I call the um, calls to this kind of where clients are, you know, transitioning out of the program. I kind of give them, you know, one or two action steps to go forward from, but she was so confused as to like this, how do I even like know where to go? And it's like, just like, let's, you know, just erase your mind for a sec. Think of these three phases if you want to lose body fat, you're here. If you want to maintain, you're here. If you want to like accelerate muscle growth, like you're here. It's like, okay, well, that makes sense. Like find these three numbers, whatever goal you want, you pick one of those three. And that's very simplified, but in a way like that's kind of, like if you just want to be healthy and like you want to hit a goal, like in a way that's kind of like what you do. Yeah, that's absolutely like in the easiest terms possible. That's exactly what you do. And then I think like from a coaching perspective, like where that becomes um, beneficial is like understanding how your body is responding in each of those phases and making the correct adjustments depending upon what it's telling you, right? Like how long you should be in this phase or do you need to transition or like, are you making the correct rate of progress? And obviously the accountability aspect to that as well, to learn the phases properly and like what to expect in each phase and how to execute on it. And more importantly, when to exit each phase, depending upon the biofeedback that your body's giving you throughout that process. I think that you nailed that perfectly. It sounds simple, but not so. It's like one of those things that's it a is lot simple, easier said than done. Yeah, it is simple. It's simple to explain and, and the processes are simple, but like fitness and nutrition are training and nutrition are pretty damn simple, right? People don't struggle with, oh, how many calories should I eat? Or 
what workouts should I do? People struggle to stay consistent with those things for long enough and understand the, the nuance inside of it with the specific adjustments that are needed to ensure that the effort that you're giving is efficient so that you can be confident in that effort to keep momentum on your side and keep checking days off one by one week after week to actually get to that set goal in the long term. People struggle with consistency, right? Because they get lost in the minutia inside of it. It's not like people don't know that working out is good for you. Fruits yeah. are good for you. Veggies are good for you. Like everyone knows that. It's like, how can you get yourself to do it? And part of that yeah. is, like I said, that's our job to kind of unravel that out of you and kind of help you see like, you know, here's what's been yeah. holding you back. Now let's work together to kind of make this a realistic change without being like, hey, here's 50 things you can apply. Let's throw them all on you and see what sticks. Because yeah. like there is a, I don't know if this is a word, methodological, methodological. You know what I'm trying to say? Like there's like I a method to it. Meth. Ah, oh, shisa. I know what this word is. All right. Is. Well, yeah, you listeners, you know <laughs> what I'm like saying. It's like on the tip of my tongue, but I can't think of it. Um, all, right. all right. Next question. Yeah. Next question. I think I think we know that. I had one more thing that I was going to say, and then I, you, methodology, methodology. Like, I want to say, like, there's like a, there's like methods you use to like transition from the like one place to the next. And like, you want to do so like methodologically. I don't, maybe I'm just like thinking. I don't maybe know. I just made that word up. I don't know. Somebody maybe let us were know like, what the that. hell is he talking about? Like, who's this idiot talking? But no, somebody it, let it us know in, in our DMs. Our our socials are linked down below. Somebody in the DMs let us know what what word we're trying to think of. It'll probably come to me when we hit when we stop recording. Mm-hmm. All right, we got one more um, one more question here, which we kind of already touched on this, so I don't think we need to go super in depth with it. But it's why is a maintenance phase relevant? I feel like talking about We've talked about deficits and like the importance of coming back up to maintenance. And I feel like that's basically been explained, but if you had to explain that, like in, in quick words, why, why is maintenance relevant? If I had to look at it, the way that I've kind of learned to view the fitness space. And at first, like when I first started coaching, it was just kind of like, oh, you tell people to track macros, like people track the macros, you tell them the workout, they work out like this is the best job ever. Like it's, this is easy. Like, Oh yeah. my gosh. Like, you know, get my exercise science degree. Like this is going to be the life, like, you know, whatever. And yeah. so, yeah, it like, it sounds simple, but then like when you're actually kind of looking at the science of things, it's not the fact that people don't know how to lose the weight. Cause like I was saying earlier, like everyone, if you were, if someone walked up to you and was like, Hey, I'm going to give you $10,000 if you can lose 15 pounds. I bet every one of you listening will go out there and like lose 10, 15 pounds. But the problem isn't what happens during the diet, or I guess sometimes it is, but more so than not, it's not what happens during the diet, but it's learning to actually like maintain that long-term. People don't struggle with losing weight. We have enough of that out there with juice cleanses and this fad diets and all that other crap that's thrown out in magazines and on the news and whatnot and all that horrible crap I've seen out there, but there's enough of that. But people don't know how to make realistic, sustainable change and actually maintain that. And so there's a lot of people out there who don't even need to be in a deficit. They're like, I don't care to like lose lose weight. Like if it happens, cool. If not, whatever. But they just want to feel better just to get 
healthier. And like, that's essentially that phase is you're at maintenance because even like in a, how you always talk about, there's a stressor when you're dieting or well, eating more than your body can burn. Absolutely. It's a stressor as well. Yeah. It's just that you know, like equilibrium of everything. Your body's basically brought back to, I guess, fancy science terms here, like homeostasis in a way. And so like this, if your goal is to normalize what's happening within the body, uh, metabolically, hormonally, both, that's the phase where you need to be. And regardless if you want to cut or you want to build either of those, again, you're putting stress on the body. So eventually you need to be brought back to maintenance just to kind of relieve that dieting stress. And that's kind of, I guess, my different viewpoint that I didn't necessarily like dive into in the previous question. Yeah. The best way that I've ever explained this, I think, is by understanding that maintenance is home, right? I've, I've made posts about this. In uh, the past. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like maintenance is home. Like maintenance is where you should spend the majority of your time. Like that's where you live your life. Now you're going to go out on vacations. One of those vacations may be into a calorie surplus where you're trying to maximize muscle growth, but like at the expense of that, you're going to put on a little bit of body fat because of that as well. Something that you may not want. Just like when you go on a vacation, like it's fun, but you're not working, you're not making any money, you're spending a lot of money. Like you can't do that forever. It's not sustainable, right? Like it's going to lead to repercussions in the long term. Just as a deficit is like a vacation as well. You're losing body fat, but just as Alex mentioned before, that is a stressor on your body, on your mind. There's restriction involved with that as well. Like it's it's the same thing. Like if you go on vacation, again, you're spending lots of money. You're probably not making any income unless you have um, a lot of passive income or investments coming through, whatever that may be. Like you're you're going to be dwindling in some form of effect, right? And so we can do these things because long term they can improve our body composition or even com- or improve our health overall right if somebody's far too skinny and their hormones are are downregulated metabolic rate is downregulated well putting them into a surplus for a certain amount of time makes a lot of sense because they need some more body fat on their frame to better regulate their hormonal profile better regulate their metabolic rate have better energy levels it, um, and so like you need to go into a surplus, but at a certain point, once you put on a certain amount of fat, like you don't need more fat, like you need to find that spot to, that works best for, for your body composition, where you feel best in how your where your body's at body fat to lean muscle ratio wise. And then from there to, to hold on to that, you eat at maintenance. You don't go into a surplus because you're going to start losing that body fat and end up or go into a deficit and start losing that body fat because then you're gonna end up in that same position. You don't continue in a surplus and put on more body fat because that leads to its own repercussions. Just like if somebody is fat or excuse my my term, but yeah, if you have a lot of body fat on your frame, well, then we need to go into a deficit to start decreasing body fat, right? To get you into a healthier place. There are uh, negatives that will come with that if you stay in a deficit for far too long, we're not trying to get you to like a bodybuilder stage of leanness by any means, right? We're just trying to get you to a healthy body fat level. Well, once you've been in the deficit long enough to achieve that healthy body fat level to maintain that and feel better, you increase your calories back up to a maintenance or else you'll keep losing and start to feel more and more like shit where you don't go back into a surplus and regain that body fat to get back in that same position. You go back to maintenance because that's where you maintain 
the progress that you've created. So we have these vacations that we can go on to improve, but at the end of the day, we want to get back to maintenance to solidify those improvements and not suffer the repercussions that can come from either of those. And so when you start to learn that inside of your, your own fitness and look at maintenance is where you spend the vast majority of your time, we take time away from that in either spectrum with deficits or surpluses to improve our body in the way for your specific situation that needs to be improved. But then to sustain that progress, that's where we live at maintenance the vast majority of the time to keep a healthy hormonal profile, to keep your energy in a good position, to keep your metabolic rate strong, to, to be able to sleep your best, to be able to live your best life. That's done at maintenance. I see especially women get so tied up in being like thinking they have to live their life in deficits and be as low in calories as possible. And if they ever increase, like it's voodoo, like they should not do that. Right. And they don't realize that the longer you stay in a deficit, the worse your relationship is going to get with food, the more scarcity you're going to get around it, the more prone you are to binges to where you're overeating sometimes and then under eating to make up for that time we're overeating. And you just never are like able to enjoy any of the progress that you've made because you're in this scarcity mindset when it comes to food. Right. And like, I have a client now that came to me that was in that position, um, six months or so ago. And we, we kept her in maintenance for like four or five months. And for a long time before that, she had tried to be in a deficit and she'd be in one, but she couldn't be consistent because calories were always too low. They had her binging and eating too much. And in this yo-yo effect in regards to her nutrition to where like her mindset was that she was in a deficit, but like what she was giving her body wasn't actually in a deficit. And so she was in the scarcity mindset. So we took four months and she committed to staying at maintenance. And I said, like, if you can stay at maintenance for at least four months, like at that point, we can have a conversation about putting you into a small structured deficit for like eight weeks or so to get you to where you truly want to be, to see how you feel at that lower body fat level. But you've got to put the structure in place and give yourself that four months at your home base at maintenance before we can even look at that. So long story short, we went through the four months of the deficit or of the maintenance phase to recover. Her training got better. Her her mental and physical energy got way better. Her balance within her lifestyle got miraculously better. Her body composition actually got better. And she experienced a little bit of recomp throughout that process. And we got to the four week, four month marker. And we hopped on a phone call and have had a conversation like, Hey, like, are you ready to start a deficit? Like wow, feedback is in a great place. Energy is in a great place. And the deeper and deeper we got into that deficit or that conversation, like the more and more she realized that she had no need to go into a deficit. Like it was just kind of a scarce mindset that she was under that she always needs to be eating less if she wants to see progress in her body composition and her fitness, which is not the case whatsoever. Like all of these positive benefits that have came from eating at maintenance for such a long period of night time and creating that consistency put her body composition in such a better place and her her mental stamina when it comes to her training and nutrition in such a better place that we decided we're going to run maintenance for at least another four months and just stay where we're at and continue to build on the momentum that she has because she knows deep down like she's trying to solidify this new mindset as her home base with looking at maintenance and being able to eat 22 to 2300 calories per day and sustain her body weight and sustain her body composition and train better and get stronger like it's just such a better way to go about it for her than diving right back into it like really solidifying this and taking time and not rushing into a deficit or rushing into a surplus is only going to build up her foundation in the long run so i know that's kind of long-winded but um 
yeah, I think that's how you got to look at it. Maintenance is home and deficits and surpluses are vacations that you do for short time frames. I know there's a lot of ex kind of like high school, college athletes that are in my following and a lot of your following probably, you know, is that in a fair share of clients, you know, or like ex college athletes or even like moms who work, you know, previous college athletes and could kind of relate to this example. Or even high school athletes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But just like remember or think like if you're in a sport, let's take football, you know, as an example, could you imagine if like, you were going and playing games for 48 of 52 weeks of the year. Like imagine how broken people would be if they were like playing and practicing football, like 48 weeks of the year. Yeah. But that's like kind of the what hitting people and do. The, yeah. That's kind of what people do with deficits. It's like they diet and they spend so long dieting and not enough time in maintenance. It's like, well, kind of like no wonder you're quotes broken in a way. It's like, you just kind of just went and went and went and went and you just never, ever stopped. And, you know, maintenance, I just think I want to finish off with maintenance doesn't mean that you're not making progress. Like just because the progress isn't visible from the outside, it doesn't mean that changes aren't happening on the inside or even yeah. like strength wise. Like there's so much going on. You just don't see those changes within the clothes per se or on the scale it's like it's boring like the scale's going to stay the same and so you know for the clients who are like weighing in like you know daily for example it's like you're gonna see the same number like that's the whole point. like we don't want it changing so yeah i mean it's like you said it's it's home that's kind of where you got to spend most of the year so when it really matters you can take those 12 16 weeks and just really dial it in or if you want to go a bit more aggressive like you are you know to go four six eight weeks push when it really matters and then kind of just go back home rest relax prepare for the upcoming quotes season and that's yeah. just kind of how i'd look at it yeah i love that i think that's a, a really good analogy i'm gonna figure out a way to say that in a in a one of those like tw tweet type posts on instagram here soon that'd be a, a good way to help people understand it better i think that's really good so we appreciate all y'all for listening. I will link Alex down below. Go ahead and follow him. I mentioned it last week, but put a face to the voice. More than likely, if you're listening, you guys already follow along to me, but my links are down below for our TikTok, Instagram, our websites down there, all that good stuff as well. Alex, do you have any closing remarks? Well, I will say that, again, this was our, I guess, kind of first time in a while doing one of these like kind of question-only um, Q&As, but just... The more questions that you guys kind of send in, the more time we can allocate towards, you know, episodes like these. And if you guys like the kind of mix of some just kind of like personal life episodes, kind of like we did the home gym uh, one last week. If you guys kind of like the rapid fire Q&A, let us know what you guys like and what you guys kind of like listening to. And we'll listen and we'll just kind of, you know, use that on the podcast and just make this as beneficial as, you, as we can for you guys. Yeah, that's all I got. I agree. And like I, I believe I mentioned earlier. If you do have questions, like if we're talking about something specifically on today's episode or a previous episode, and it sparks a question that you're wondering about for your specific situation, I mention it all the time, but there's a link down below, lostlifting.com backslash podcast. Click on that, scroll to the bottom, there's a question box. You guys can ask any questions that you have in there relative to your situation. And once you submit it, it will go directly to my inbox and I'll get back to you personally with some answers. And if I feel like those questions would be 
um, relatable to others who listen, then I will bring those questions onto the show as well. And we'll deep dive into them a little bit here too. So we appreciate you all. Hopefully you're having an amazing day and we'll chat with you very soon.